We're in a series right now called By Faith. And a couple weeks ago, I started it with Faith Is Now, and that we talked next week about how we can have a good witness or having a life worth being witnessed. And then Pastor Keith preached last week. He just threw down some stuff last week. I don't know what to call it. I don't, I don't think he had a title. But I went and listened back to it again because he was just throwing some stuff out. And this morning, um, I, I was not, I went through Hebrews 11 and I looked at all of the by faiths. Because if you've ever read through Hebrews 11, there's by faith this and by faith this one. And by faith this one and by faith this one. And I'm like, I could probably preach this till March. So i got to figure out what you want me to do. But I also have this tendency where I literally just want to go verse and then the next verse and then the next verse and then the next verse. And when I read chapter, I mean, verse 4, Hebrews 11, verse 4, and I got to a certain spot, my spirit man just exploded like somebody threw a hand grenade in there. And so we're going to go this morning with, by faith, Abel still speaks. Abel still speaks. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, for your presence. I thank you that you're here. I pray, God, you allow me to take this message and communicate it the way you want it done. Let none of my own opinion or theology come out. Let it all be yours. And let every person under the sound of my voice leave this place changed, wanting and knowing you more in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I have a quick story for you. I got to give a shout out. I don't know if she's going to watch it right now. She'll watch it later. I have to give a shout out to Natalie Forche. If y'all know Natalie Forche, she was at the Tabernacle for a long, long time. And her and I were in the same class at Shelma Christian Academy all the way growing up. And we were younger. CCA used to do this thing called a walkathon. And a walkathon, looking back on it, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me where you give me money so I can go walk. It's just never, like looking back, I'm like, we actually did this and it actually worked. Like people actually gave us money. But like the idea of, that's like, hey, can you do me a favor and just give me money? I'm going to go watch TV. Like a TV-a-thon. And I'm just going to sit down and watch my favorite show and you give me money for a cause, I guess. I don't really know. Anyway, but anyway, we did it. But what they used to do is they used to give out prizes and the classes would compete with each other. And whichever class brought in the most money got the pizza party or, you know, whatever. I don't know what it was. Well, the first year... Natalie Forche just absolutely dominated, and our class won. Like, like, I don't think anybody else in the class gave anything. And she just, her and Brother Buddy, if you know Brother Buddy and Natalie, like, once they decide they're going to win, they don't even know. that. Like, it's not even that they just decide. There's, a, like, a 47-step process as to how exactly it's going to be done, and she won. Well, the next year, all the other classes were, like, talking some smack that they're going to beat us or whatever, really beat her because nobody else did anything. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And so I remember me and my dad went out, and we were, like, getting sponsors or whatever and getting sponsors. And I ended up getting, like, several hundred dollars of sponsors. But if you know anything about me when I was younger, I had the worst memory ever. Like, all, I was the least responsible kid you ever met. So I kept forgetting to bring the money to school. So I would tell all my friends, oh, I got another, like, 600 bucks that we're going to No, you don't. You've been saying it all week. You don't have the money. And the weekend would come out, I'd forget again, right? And you would think that my mom would have, like, put the money in the bag. But no, that didn't happen. And so I got picked on by all my friends. Anyway. And it's the deadline. I remember this like it was yesterday. Hey, don't take, you don't get to give your side of the story. I got the mic. This is my turn. But um, it's the last day to turn in the money. And they had the little, the little, if you were around back then, they had the little lines, the little bar graphs in the cafeteria. And there was a class that was ahead of us, but I knew that we were winning. Like we were going to win. There was no shot, right? And the last day, I remember I brought it in the last day, and you would have thought that I was the 
guy off the bench who hits the game-winning shot because, like, it was the last day, and then I tried, and I did it on purpose to make sure that we would win in case I had to go get more, which they didn't believe because they know I was irresponsible. But have, I remember everybody was disappointed because I kept saying I was going to do something, but I never did it. Have you ever felt that way with the Lord? Where he's asking you to do something, he's calling you to do something, you see a need in the body that needs to be filled. You see a purpose that you could fill and be involved in. And, and you see it, and it sits there, and it throbs at you, but you never actually step up and do it. I can relate to that, and that's what happened. And a lot of times I think we get so caught up in the fact that we haven't done something or we haven't been who God's called us to be for so long that we think that it doesn't matter anymore. But this morning's message is going to change that for you. The title is, By Faith, Abel Still Speaks. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 4. Shout out to Natalie. Hebrews 11, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now, that might not excite you, but that last line lit me up the other day. That though being dead, he still speaks. Two weeks, three weeks, two weeks ago, we talked about having a life worth being witnessed that people say, I want to follow Jesus like Rustin follows Jesus or like Kelly follows Jesus. I want to follow Jesus like them, right? But what about if you take it a step further when after you're gone, people are still saying, you know what, you, you, you need to do it like this person did it. That's a totally different place. That's a totally different legacy that after you're gone, it still speaks. I need to give you a little background here. Go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep and Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. When you study this, there are a litany of reasons. There are so many opinions as to why Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. I mean, you could, you could read them all day long until you're blue in the face. There's so many different opportunities and things. So, and, but I find a lot of them just go very deep into like all, I mean, we don't know what was going on at this time because God had not given a sacrificial system yet. God had not explained what he wanted yet. This is just something out of their heart. And so I'm going to give you what I think is the reason God accepted Abel and not Cain this morning. I'm going to give you the, the, the reason why I think that took place. The reason why is I believe that Abel's offering was of his best in an act of worship or an offering of worship because he gave the first fruit, the firstborn of his flock, and the fat. He kept nothing for himself. He gave of his best in an act of worship where Cain gave of his excess in an offering of convenience. 
And I believe that that's the difference. I believe that God saw the heart and the motive behind the offering where Cain said, I'm going to give this because I have it. Where Abel says, I'm going to give it because it's the best. And there's a very big difference between the motive. When you look down and one is fruit and one is meat, you may say, well, I kind of like the fruit one better. It's less messy, right? You may think that. But in this context, when you read it, Cain gave just what he had. Or Abel gave something that mattered. It was an act of worship. And it says, when you go back to Hebrews 11.4, go back there real quick for me. It says that through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. That's very important that he was righteous. Now, I'm not going to dive down in this theological hole that I would love to dive down right now. But it says he obtained testimony that he was righteous. He was in right standing with God. Well, how was he in right standing with God if God hadn't given a command yet? Think about that. The only commands God has given at this point is he's told Adam in Genesis chapter 2 to go and have dominion over the earth and to subdue it and then to be fruitful and multiply. That's all he's told them to do so far. So how at this point has, is God able to say that Abel is righteous when the, that's the only standard that's considered right and wrong at this point? What it is is that Abel did something out of faith. Something in Abel said, I want to give God the best that I have. Something from inside of him stirred him up and said, I could give him just the fat, or I could give him this leg, and, I, you know, and, and it would be good because I, I recognize that he exists, and I recognize what he's done for me, and he's great, and I want to make sure that I'm still in good standing with him, so I'm going to give him this little bit. No, he said, I'm going to give him the best that I have because of faith on the inside of him. Genesis 15, we see Abram, and God tells him, he's 75 years old, and God tells him that you're going to have descendants as many as the stars of the sky and the sands and the seashore. I'm going to make you a great nation. And Hebrews, I mean, in Genesis 15, it says that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness, which means that Abraham didn't do anything but believe. He didn't do anything but have faith, and faith is what made him righteous. Fast forward 2,000 years, Jesus comes and dies on the cross. Before that, there's 613 laws, and we've got to follow these laws to be considered righteous, to be in right standing with God. Jesus comes and says, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. But the law is fulfilled in me. So you put your faith in me, Jesus, and not in what you can do, and you'll be declared righteous. And so we see that the key to be declared righteous, to be in right standing with God, is not a bunch of religious actions. It's not a bunch of, of routines or a bunch of deeds or anything like that. The, the, the way to be in right standing with God is to live by faith. And Abel here makes the decision that I'm going to give this offering in faith. I'm going to give this, this offering of my best because I believe he deserves my best. A minute ago, I talked about tithing. You don't tithe unless you believe God's worth it. You don't. You don't, you don't give that amount of money. That's why I'm so thankful my parents made me tithe off birthday money. Because tithing $11 when you get $110 from your two grandmas, tithing $11 is really easy. When your paycheck is two grand, tithing 200 feels a little different. 
But I was used to it tithing $11, and then it was $20, and then it was $40, and then it was $100, and it just grew. And it's no longer a problem for me because it's an act of worship. Because I do it out of faith, which therefore makes it righteous. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? You following me? Now, this message connects to the one a couple weeks ago where I talked about living a life worth being witnessed. Where people can look at you and say, I'm going to follow Jesus like this guy does. I'm going to follow Jesus like this woman does. I'm going to point to that person. I want to be like them. I want to grow up to be like them. I want to have faith like them. I want to have testimonies like them. It's not always easy. But this morning, it's a little different. This is, this is that next step, right? This is when I want to have faith like Abel that being dead still speaks. How many of you have been saved long enough that you can right now, if I gave you the mic, give a testimony about a believer who's no longer here? I could say, this person who's been dead 20-something years said something to me and changed my life. I remember this person doing this. I remember that person. They're still speaking. You've heard me mention Brother Hall in my sermons. You've heard me mention my grandpa in my sermons. You've heard me mention a man named Brother Bramlett in my sermons. Those people aren't here anymore. But even being dead, they still speak because of the legacy of faith that they've left behind. I want to do that. Do you want to do that? Like, y'all being a little quiet this morning, I know, look, I know, I know the game just started. Some of y'all are getting anxious. It's all right. Y'all know last week we didn't play until the fourth quarter anyway. So I'm just saving you a whole bunch of stress and frustration right now. You'll get out of here in time. You get home right at the end of the third, and you get to watch the great game. It's okay. But just follow me here. I want to be that. You know why? Because not only do I want to impact the people that I'm living with today, I want to impact the people my great-grandkids live with 100 years from now. I want Addison's grandchildren to say, let me tell you about my papa, my great papa. I only met him. He was real old, and, and like he had a beard, and he had no hair. I mean, it was none. Right? I mean, it's just none. But let me tell you something. He prayed, and the house would shake. He was up every morning, and he prayed. His knees got bad because he was on his knees so long praying. Like, like I want to leave such a legacy that after I'm gone, people say, oh, man, you should, I wish you could have met Brother Chris. Man, I wish you could have met him. I can't wait to grow up and tell my children about Bob Tawika, Miss Dorothy's husband. Paul, uh, I wish you could have met Brother Bob. Man, I wish you could have met Brother Bob. It's a faith, it's a legacy that still speaks. I'm going to tell you how to have a legacy that still speaks this morning, but I'm going to let you know right now. To have a legacy that speaks after you're gone isn't something you necessarily enjoy while you're here. Having a legacy that speaks after you're gone means you're probably doing some things you don't enjoy while you're here. just want to give you that disclaimer before I start, you know, stepping on all kinds of stuff in a minute. Praise God. Praise the Lord. How can we, like Abel, have a legacy that still speaks after we're gone? Let's go to, back to Hebrews 11. We'll pull just from this one verse all morning. The first thing we have to do is we have to decide to sacrifice. Decide to sacrifice. Go back to Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. That means Abel decided to sacrifice. Think, um, just think about that little short sentence. He decided to sacrifice. We don't realize this 
and I think it's more prominent in Western, especially American churches, but we, we're not careful. We have a take-take mentality when it comes to the Lord. We have a, I need your blessing, I need your goodness, I need favor, I need, I need help, I need healing, I need all these things from the Lord. Or if, if, and what's funny is that's the younger crowd, the older crowd that have been around longer is, Lord, I'm trusting you for my eternity, I'm going to be with you. Uh, you know, like, like it's, it's depending on how you're viewing the world, but you're looking at what you're going to receive from him. And look, there's a lot of great things that we receive from the Lord we should be talking about, amen? I'm not saying that that's a problem. But a lot of times our Christianity is like, 90% take and 10% give. And sadly, a lot of times that 10% is not financial. It's 10% all-encompassing. I go to group 10% of the time. I give 10% of the time. I pray 10% of the time. And I worship 10% of the time. And I'm 10% involved in the man who I claim died and saved me from hell. I'm 10% involved. Right? And so what, what we have to understand is that we need to get out of that mindset. And there, I think there are two reasons for it. The number one is that we're, we, he loves us so much that we're just good as we are. I don't need to sacrifice anything, Pastor Chris. That's, that's, you're, you're a zealot. You're wild. You're crazy. You're weird. Well, you're a pastor. That makes sense. Like, I understand why you should do that. I want to let you know something. When Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe, they shall cast out devils, they shall heal the lepers, they shall open blinded eyes and raise the dead. He did, it doesn't say that those who are called to be pastors shall do these things. It says, these signs shall follow those who believe. Who believes in Jesus? Raise your hand. When's the last time you raised the dead? I mean, I've tried five times. I still ain't got it yet. Don't mean it ain't going to happen. But I have laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. I have walked up to a demon-possessed person and they weren't demon-possessed when I walked away. That has happened. Why? It's not because I'm special. It's because I've sacrificed on my end to have more of him. But we don't have enough people in the body of Christ today in 2022 willing to sacrifice the American dream to walk in heaven's authority. And it's a challenge and it's a problem because we wonder where the signs and wonders and miracles are. And they're the same place they've always been, smack in the middle of the power of God. But we don't find ourselves there. Or the second reason that we don't give or we don't sacrifice is because we, we come to this place where what could I ever give that could actually do anything? It's like the little drummer boy. Like, why do you want me to play my, my drum? What, what is that going to do? You're the king. I'm going to play a drum for you? Pastor Chris, I don't make a whole lot of money. My tithe's not going to do anything. No, you're looking at it from a monetary standpoint. God isn't. He's not at all. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't know. I mean, I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't teach. I can't remember things. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what I could do, Pastor Chris. I'm just not, I'm not gifted like, like a lot of people are. That's fine. God's not after a certain checklist of things. He wants your heart. But we don't think that we can, we can do anything, and so we don't tend to, to sacrifice. We don't tend to give. <clears throat> we don't give to earn anything from God. We don't give to repay God for what he's done. We give and sacrifice out of worship, out of gratitude and adoration for who he is and what he's done. However, we have to remember, Abel didn't just give. He didn't just give. He sacrificed. And I'm going to make this next statement, and you can just do with it what you want. If our expression of Christianity doesn't involve a measure of sacrifice, it doesn't look like Christ. 
if our expression of Christianity doesn't involve a measure of sacrifice, it doesn't look like Jesus. Because that's all he did. I want to give you an example from my life what sacrifice looks like. And you've heard me tell this story before, and it's fine. And I'm not, this is not bragging on myself because I can give you 10 stories when I did not sacrifice. Probably 25, 30 for everyone that I've done it because I'm just like everybody else. I'm driving down God's Boulevard. I'm dating Caitlin. She lives off of, she lives in Willowwood Subdivision. I drive past the on-the-run gas station, and it is storming. You know how they got the little spot where the gas pump is, and there's a little shade, a little cover spot where there's a guy standing underneath the pump, and I see him standing there. It's cold, and he's huddled up like this trying to stay dry. And he had a cup in his hand, so I knew he was looking for money. Well, I stopped to get gas, and he asked if I had any cash, which I did not. So I'm sorry, man, I don't have any cash on me. I think I gave him some quarters out of my little, you know, coin thing or whatever. And I, I get in the car, and I'm driving off, and the Holy Spirit said, help him. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but I'm going to, I said, no, I'm going to see Caitlin. And the Holy Spirit said, help him. And I said, yeah, but she's going to be mad if I'm late, you know, whatever. Help him. Help him. I ignored it. Totally. Whoop, kept on driving. Well, I get in front of Caitlin. The whole time I'm at Caitlin's house, I mean, the, whole, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is beating me like a mall. And finally, I leave early. I'm driving home. It's still storming. And I tell the Holy Spirit, all right, you know, it's been about two and a half hours or whatever. If he's still there, if he's still out there, Lord, I will, I'll do it. I'll do it. Thinking, but ain't no way in the world this dude's still at the gas pump. So I come down, gauze. Guess he's still at the gas pump. So I pull in, and I'm like, oh, Lord. You got to realize, I'm working at Cash America Pawn, P-A-W-N, Pawn Shop. The accent makes it sound like something else. Pawn. I'm making like $9 and change an hour, and I don't know how to use my money. I'll get to back in a second. But I don't know how to, I don't know, I, I don't know what in the world I'm doing budgeting-wise. And I pull in, and the man says, and you know how you could tell, like, people who were down and out and people who just had, like, all of a sudden a bad problem? Like, this guy was clean cut, had a fresh haircut. He had nice clothes on. And I'm like, Okay, what, what's, this is different. He had to work uh, one of the refineries, one of those like a refinery-looking shirt with the name thing, like a folded shirt or whatever. And he said, I just moved here from Tennessee to get a job. And on my way down, the position was filled by somebody in the company. He said, but I don't have any money to get home. And I don't have any money to pay my bills. Like, I, I, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm literally just trying to get some cash to get a hotel room so that I can have a night to sleep to figure out how to get back to somewhere in Tennessee. And immediately inside, I said, well, Lord, I ain't bringing him to Tennessee. Like, if that's what this is about, you got the wrong one. Like, I'll call somebody. I might be able to get him there, but I'm not bringing him to Tennessee. Like, that's not happening. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, get him a hotel room. Now, again, this is the, the kid who don't know how to manage his money yet. I, you just don't go buy hotel rooms with people you don't know when you don't know how to manage your money. It's not what you do. Right? It's just not what happens. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, pounding on me. So, all right. So I remembered kind of what my bank account was, you know, from earlier in the day when I checked Capital One, right? I kind of think I got enough to maybe pull this off. So I go to the hotel. I get him a room. He walks off. 
I asked the lady, I said, listen, please don't put my card on this account. I don't want $500 of room service charges ever being put on it or any like stuff ordered from TV and nothing like that. I said, but, I said, can you charge me to give him a late checkout so he can stay till 1, 2 o'clock? I don't know him, you know, whatever. Sure, so we did that. Well, I walk out and the man's crying. And the man tells me, he's crying and he's explaining all this kind of stuff and he's, he says, he said, man, I don't even know what you do. And he starts to ask me about me. And I said, well, I said, well, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor and I go to this church, blah, 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 blah. And he said, he said, you got to be kidding me. He starts crying again. He said, I've been running from a call to preach. My daddy's a pastor. I've been running for 10 years. He said, and I've been trying to get away. And every single time I hit rock bottom, he sends me a pastor. He says, you're the fourth pastor in a row. And I looked at him and I said, Bro, there's a whole lot of pastors that you keep screwing up. There's, there's going to be another one. Like, there's a lot of us out here. <laughs> Prayed with him. Don't know what happened. All I know is, is I'm driving home, and I'm like, I got like $35 to the next time I get paid. I don't know what I'm going to do. The next morning, I don't even know if she remembers this. The next morning, I finished sound check. Miss Dorothy Tawika walks up to me. And she, she gave me that sweet little, that little finger, like that, you know. She calls me over, and she says, I was coming to church this morning, and the Lord told me to go to the bank and, 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 and get this out and give it to you. And I said, thank you, and I just took it and you know, hugged her and put it in my pocket. It was three times the hotel room. She had no idea what I did the night before. All I knew is that I was obedient when the Lord said to sacrifice when is the last time you sacrificed? Well, Pastor Chris, is it all money? No, it's not money. When was the last time you went without food, believing for your, the, the salvation of your family? You fasted. When's the last time you said, you know what? I, 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 I want to take a step in getting involved in life group a little more than I am. I'm not really consistent. I have struggle being there. So, you know, I'm a sacrifice and I'm a host of the thing. It's really hard to not show up when it's at your house. Bring it to my house. I, I, since I don't make it, I'm going to make it where I can't miss. If you start missing group and it's at your house, I'm coming to find you. I'm just letting you know right now, we got a problem. We got a problem. But when's the last time you sacrificed? Because when I read scripture, Jesus doesn't just give. Jesus sacrifices. And chances are what got you sitting in these seats wasn't just somebody giving frivolously or easily. It was somebody sacrificing. It was somebody going out of their way and making sure that you made it, that you stayed true. And 60 years from now, you'll be talking about that person, you young people. Let's go to number two. Decide to sacrifice. Number two is determined to be excellent. Oh, this, I'm going to let you all know I'm about to get real excited. Just give you all a heads up right now because I'm, I'm, I get to go after one of the things that I've wanted to go after as a pastor in this city for so long, and I get to do it this morning. Decide to be excellent. Go back to Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent, say more excellent, a more excellent sacrifice. You want to know what the problem is? One of the biggest problems with our sacrifice is we do it haphazardly. We don't figure out how can I offer God the absolute best that I have. That takes strategy. That takes intention. That takes, I'm going to get better in an area so that I can do more for him. 
I'm going to be better in this area of my life so that I can do more for him. I knew when the Lord called me to pastor, it was election night in 2008. The Lord told me, sharpen your sword. Didn't know what that meant. He just said, sharpen your sword. Then a couple of months later, I found that I was called to youth ministry. And I realized, well, I guess I should probably start studying the Bible a little more to know to preach it. So I just began eating scripture constantly. I began sacrificing social time. I began sacrificing hobbies. I began putting things on the side because I knew that he was calling me to something greater. And I wanted to be ready for when he called. There's a more excellent thing that happens on the inside of us when we say, you know what, I'm not just going to go to church, I'm going to be the church. I'm not just going to show up and take, I'm going to show up and find a way to give and sacrifice and be involved in what's going on. I want to make sure that, that, that if there's a hole that needs to be filled, I'm going to fill it. If there's an opportunity that there is for me to be more involved in what God is doing, I'm going to find a way to do it. It's a more excellent sacrifice. And I, I'm, I'm, here we go. I'm, I'm just going for it right here. Boom. Most of my life, I have heard a statement. And there are very few things in a ministry setting that get me more angry than what I'm about to say. And it's, it's, I'm sure all people say it, but I'm talking about like right here. You want to get me angry. Make the statement. Oh, it's just St. Bernard. It's, it's just the parish. I mean, I, don't, I mean, for real. I mean, bro, it's just the parish. Like, it ain't gotta, it's just the parish. The spirit of slap comes over my hand. And I want, I don't, I've never done it, but it, it starts burning and shaking like I got the Holy Ghost. And it, what? It just, I mean, it just, it, it wants to come out. There has been a stronghold of good enough, of hopelessness. Really, it's not a stronghold of good enough. Good enough is the response we come up with because it's a stronghold of insecurity and hopelessness. That says, I can't be more than what we are. We'll never be more than what we are. This is who we are, and that's just the way it's going to be. And it's a stronghold over this parish as long as I can remember. And what has happened, and you all know somebody who hates St. Bernard. They grew up here, and they hate it. Why do they hate it? Because they refused to let it label them. I'm definitely not going to be like that. I'm definitely moving because I ain't going to be caught up in that. It's a quicksand. I ain't going to be caught up in the hopelessness. I'm not going to accept that identity. That ain't going to be who I am. Newsflash, I don't accept the identity of a Shalmatian. I accept the identity of an heir. So if I accept the identity of an heir who's filled with the spirit of God on the inside of me, who's the head and not the tail, who's above and not beneath, who's got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of me, why in the world would I ever accept a hopeless, insecure mindset that says, oh, it's just the parish is good enough? Why would I ever do that? One of my goals that I pray for daily, multiple times a day, with this mess we're in with the building, when I pray all the time, Lord, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't really even care how you're going to do it. I just want, by the end, I want whatever building is on that property to begin to change the way that St. Bernard thinks about itself. I want whatever you allow us to do on that property, change the way St. Bernard sees itself and thinks about itself. Why? Because half the parish passes it when they're coming home from work every single day. And I want them to look at that building and say, that building don't belong in St. Bernard. We can say, no, it does. The reason it does is because God loves the people here as much as he loves them anywhere else. And I will not tolerate people thinking they're second-class people because of their address.
It's not going to happen. But we have to determine to be excellent. We have to determine to say, I'm going to be different. We're going to be different. And that's not easy. That's making yourself vulnerable. That's saying, all right, I'm not good in this area. How can I intentionally get better in an area I'm not good? That's being open and going to somebody who's better than you in something and saying, you're better than me. I want to get better. Help me. It sounds easy until you go to do it. It sounds easy until you go to do it. I've sat down with people so many times, and I'm like, hey, man, look, I, I, need, I need some help. When I was younger, I was struggling with, with immorality and pornography and things when I was younger. I'm like, I need some help. Help me figure this out. I'm literally sitting down and exposing a pretty private sin to people saying, help me get through this. Why? Because you're walking in a victory that I know I should be. What God has done over the last couple of years of this ministry is God is he's already doing this. Like he's already changing the way this church sees itself. Because if this church is going to change the way this community sees itself, then this church has to change the way it sees itself. And so one of the things that God has been doing is God's been putting different type of people, people who are not walking under the mindset of it's just good enough, it's just St. Bernard, it's the way it is. And, and, and one of the things, you guys know me, I, I, Last year, I'm going to preach about it again in a few weeks. I'm going to touch on it again in a second. But we have those core values, the four E's, engage, encourage, empower, and enjoy. Everything we do as a ministry flows through those things where we're engaging the community. We're engaging each other. We're engaging God. We're encouraging people to be more like him and to encourage them to walk in their calling and purpose. We're empowering people to be all that God has called them to be, and we're enjoying the heck out of it the entire time. That's who we are That's in every facet of what we do. Fall Fest is those four things in action constantly, all day long. But what God has done is God's begun to bring us people that not only are good Christians and love the Lord and they can preach, but they're able to engage us, encourage us, and empower us in specific ways to get better. Mike and Ralph, would y'all come up here? Now, I'm not going to steal their thunder. I just want to let you know that what they're about to share with you, y'all come up here so the camera can see you. What they're about to share with you, when I tell you God put it together, God put it together. Like this was not let's sit down over a cup of coffee and figure out how to make something up. They both came to me separately. Raph was a couple years ago. Mike was a couple of months ago. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's time to do it. So who's first? So what me and Mike decided to do is um, basically launch a financial ministry where we strive to, to help others and see others accomplish the call of God in their life. I remember a few years ago, I was just sitting down and like something was dropped in my spirit that if I didn't go to UNO for accounting and didn't watch like a few specific YouTube personalities that I'd be lost financially. Like I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know any of the, the terms of lingo or where to put my money or how to invest or how to budget or how to do any of those things. And um, I realized that if I struggled with that and I didn't have the, the set of tools necessary, then how many more people didn't have the tools necessary to help them in that area? And um, I began looking up statistics, like 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 70% um, of like lottery tickets are bought by people with a median income of 40,000 or less. And those same, 40, um, those same people can't afford like a $400 emergency. Um, if, if, if it called for them to put out $400, they couldn't afford it. So like seeing the need not only for that in the world, but in the church specifically, just like burdened me. And I wanted to, to be a resource to help that. Um, Proverbs fourteen twenty four says that the wealth of, of the wise is their crown. 
And I want to I wanna see wealthy people strive in the kingdom of God. And I, I personally believe, and I can back this up with scripture, that God doesn't want to see us struggle or lack. We, we serve a God of abundance, and he wants to provide that to us. But we have to be intentional in that area. Because how often do we just, like, we don't budget, and we kind of just spend whatever and do whatever and believe in God that he's going to make it all work, like, work out. Like, I was, I was a victim of that um, until recently, um, you know, got my stuff in order, came up with um, ways to see people be better in that area of their life. So um, the mission that we want to share through this uh, Renew Financial Ministry is that um, we don't want you to stress about finances. We want you to strive in that area. Uh, We want you to live in abundance and have a cup that's overflowing. Uh, We want you to utilize that overflow to help build the kingdom of God. We don't want you to, we don't want to see you tied down to a job because you have to pay for things that, um, will hinder you in your call. Like if you're called to be a missionary, but you can't leave your job for a week because you're tied to it because you have to pay bills, then God doesn't want you there. Like God doesn't want you in that, in that area to where you're tied down to where you can't do the things that he's called you to do. Um, so Mike's just going to share a little bit about what exactly it is and the logistics and things like that. Amen. Well said, man. Uh, yeah, so what we have is a five-week uh, five-week course, Renew Faith and Finances, and what it is, it's, it's God right at the center, right? And so what we're doing, what we're trying to do, Raf said it perfectly, is we want to empower people to have the knowledge, the tools, and the resources to live in abundance and to be able to go out and build the kingdom of God. So it's five weeks. It's going to start October 9th. Uh, we're going to limit it. We want it to be small. We want it to have a uh, a personal touch. So we're going to limit it to 10 families. So whether that is a single person or a married couple, we're limited to 10 families. Uh, like I said, starting October 9th, we're going to cover, it's going to be fantastic. You won't want to miss it. We're going to cover biblical principles of wealth and mindset. We're going to do a whole budgeting workshop. We're going to talk about investing, debt, interest, credit, all that stuff. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We're even going to have a, a panel Q&A of experts who are going to come up, answer any questions you might have, and touch on more specific things. Uh, so it starts October 9th. The cost for the course is going to be $50, but if you attend every single one, we're going to give you 25 of that back. Um, and I think that is a small investment for what we truly believe God is going to do in the lives of the people that this is going to touch. And we're so excited. Is there anything I missed? Thank you. Thanks, PC. Oh, sorry. Good call. So to sign up, uh, you can do it in the app. If you go on the app under events, you'll see Renew Faith and Finances. And then Raph and I will also be in the back after church if you have questions. And then we'll have a QR code if you want to scan to the sign-up form. So I hope to see you all there. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I want to touch on that a little bit more because I know how church sometimes feels and gets with money. Y'all ever seen those, there's a, there's a church in North Carolina that does it. Have you ever seen the videos where the church, you know, pays off the medical debt for a random lady or buys a car for a single mom whose car broke down or pays the student debt of one of their young people who went to be a doctor? Like, that's because the church is in such a generous heart of giving that, that the ministry can do that. You want to talk about changing the way the parish sees itself? I want to be able to, this church to be at a place where when people come down the Green Bridge and they pass the tabernacle, they don't even need to attend. If they could say, that church paid for my sister's infertility treatment. And we don't even go there. 
and I got a grandkid now because they paid for my daughter's and uh, uh, whatever the treatments are. They paid for her treatment. Right? I want to be able to, to, to drive up to one of those travel ball teams as they're collecting money on the side of the highway, and I want to walk up to the coach and say, how much does it cost here and just pay for it. Why? Because why wouldn't we want to share the love and the goodness and the grace and the power of God with as many people as we possibly can? That ball team, that lady may never step foot in this door, but you walk up and do something like that with no strings attached, I guarantee you won't be able to keep them out. But that's not going to happen until we determine to be excellent. Where we say, I'm going to take the steps to do it. I'm going to challenge people out there right now. I see people on their phones, which is good. And if you don't make the first 10, they're going to do another one. We just don't know what the workload's actually going to be yet, so we're doing 10 families. If it's something we can do at a bigger scale, we'll do it. But I didn't want them to overload themselves on the first time doing it. But I'm telling you, when I believe that this is going to change this ministry and it's going to change this region, I say that with absolute certainty. Amen? So the first thing is we have to, we have to decide to sacrifice. Second, we determine to be excellent. And third is we have to demonstrate pure motives. We have to demonstrate pure motives. I want to be quick. Matthew 5.20 says, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees is a story where the Pharisees go in and one of the leaders gives this big old, this big old offering and he lets everybody know how big his offering was. And this little lady comes in, she gives two mites or two pennies. And Jesus says that she gave more because she gave all she had. But he also makes a mention of the, the Pharisee showing off his gift. You could be somebody who has the ability to give and sacrifice exponentially, but if your motive is wrong, it does nothing for the kingdom. It does nothing. Because if we have the wrong motives, we're not doing, we can do what Jesus does, but not do it like Jesus does it. And sadly, there are so many people that have been hurt because they've run into a Christian who was doing what Jesus did, not the way Jesus did it. And the last thing that I want is for people to look at this church and see what God is. Because people are going to talk. Let, 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 let the first crane pull on the property. It's going to be talk like crazy, and I can't wait. There's no such thing as negative publicity. But you let, you let activity start happening. That's fine. Talk all you want. It doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because I know the motive. I know the motive. I know the goal. I want, I want to, y'all, you got to remember, I was a youth pastor for a decade. I'm believing I'm getting the gym out of this process. Right? I want to be able to have young people on that property. I don't want a church building that we use twice a week for five hours. I want a building that's used seven days a week. I want, commun- I want, I want cornhole tournaments in the church. I want you, name it. You find a way to get people who need Jesus in the building, I want them in the building. Biblically, right? We ain't doing stupid things. Why? Because people need Jesus. Why would we get picky on how, what tactic we use to get them if the motive is pure? Because at the end of the day, I want a legacy like Abel, that after I'm dead, it still speaks. 
If that's you this morning, I want you to stand and say, Pastor Chris, I want a legacy that still speaks. Stand up. So I don't know, I don't know what that even means. I don't know what it costs, but I, I, I want to live in such a way that people say, you know what, I remember, I remember Josh Schneider. I, I, remember, I remember his dedication and his faithfulness. Man showed up and played guitar every week, made every rehearsal, made every conference, made every, we got to fix the sound system, we got to unplug all the wires again, made every single one. Oh, look, I can preach longer, it's raining. I want to be those people. I want a church full of legacies that speak after we're gone. Amen? I want the parish... I want the region, not just Chalmette, because I got my eyes on St. Tammany too, you North Shore folks. Don't worry about that. But I want people to say, those people right there, they're the real deal. And it starts by saying, you know what? I'm a sacrifice. So my challenge for you, I'm not praying for nobody this morning. We and then told them we ain't got no music. Look at that. Oh, we're breaking all the church structure today. Here's the here's the, the response to this message. I want you to, I'm not going to even tell you what to, I want you to ask God, God, how do you want me to sacrifice this week? For some of you, that might be going to life group and saying, hey, can we have it at my house next week? For some of you, that might be giving an offering you wouldn't normally give. For some of you, that might be going and fixing the offense you have with somebody else in the building that you don't like. Like, like find a way to sacrifice this week and watch what God does. Some of you, you've already started going to look to sign up for the financial thing. That's awesome. Do it. That's your response. There'll be a waiting list. We'll know who to contact. Some of you need to walk out right now as soon as I close and make sure you get one of those boxes for the orphanage. Some of you need to say, you know what? I'm saving to go on the trip to Guatemala or Honduras next year. Start thinking of how I'm going to sacrifice because it's the sacrifice that speaks after we're gone. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you are calling us to live a life and leave a legacy that speaks after we're gone. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, God, that you're, you're giving all of us right now a, a burden or an idea or, or even a word of what we're supposed to sacrifice, how we're supposed to do it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every box out there is taken, every envelope is taken for the, for the workers. I pray, God, that, that the financial class is full before Raph and Mike get to their vehicles. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. You're preparing this church for an international impact. You're preparing this ministry to do things that nobody could ever think could happen coming out of St. Bernard Parish. But who knows what would happen when we just surrender to you. Father, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Bring us back next week. Let us see everybody at prayer tomorrow night. We love you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said.